somewhere between waking and sleeping, on our journey towards the unfathomable deep, there comes a thin moment where we have one foot in the waking world, and the other is in that other world where we relinquish conscious control. Pausing here, and straddled between two planets that drive one another like gears, the attentive traveller will notice a narrow door, only wide enough to sidle through. This is the border of sleep, where imagination and reality are braided together, a chasm in the crust of consciousness, venting the hot pumice of imagery into the irresistible magma of narrative. Welcome to episode 39 of Stories from the Borders of Sleep, a semi-regular podcast of curious tales from bordersofsleep.com, featuring original stories by your host, Seymour Jacklin. Visit bordersofsleep.com for more information or to leave some feedback. Artwork is by Robin Trainer. Production by Tim Wiles, and the soundtrack for this week's episode is something a little bit special. It's by Paul Morris, who's a listener to the podcast as well as a professional composer, and he creates wonderfully atmospheric music for TV, film and radio. You can hear more of his work on soundcloud.com, so search for him there or follow the link on the webpage to find out more. Well then, if you're ready to journey with me, then... I shall begin. Water Cure by Seymour Jacklin I couldn't remember the last time I'd had to wait for anything. It was uncomfortable. I wasn't sure if I should be standing or sitting when the doctor arrived, and if I sat whether my choice of chair would influence her impression of me. The mahogany chaise long was far too obvious an invitation to psychoanalysis. The two wicker armchairs looked more like frail antiques, not for sitting. I'd settled into the deep leather chair when I'd arrived a few minutes earlier, but this had begun to feel too deep. It had enveloped me and I felt too vulnerable. I slid out of it and stood up again. Natural light came through the front of the summer house but was quickly absorbed in the dark furnishings. I looked out into the garden back up towards the house, which seemed to dip in and out of focus as curtains of fine rain passed in front of it. Dr. Rayner will see you in the summer house. Just go straight through this hallway and the next door and you'll see it down the path. She may be delayed a few minutes, but please make yourself comfortable there. That's what I'd been told. The path to the summer house led straight down from the French windows at the back of the house. I'd stepped into it just as the first spitting drops came down. I was expecting the doctor to come trotting down the path, perhaps holding a clipboard over her head to keep her hair dry. She'd arrive slightly out of breath and be full of apologies and already on the back foot. And I'd be gracious, and I'd be able to keep the upper hand in the conversation, tell her what I wanted. It had been a hot day. The rain seemed to break into a fine mist at ground level and rise again, bearing the aroma of the garden upwards. Hay, soil and herbs. And a sort of animal smell that I could recall from childhood the scent of a bird's feather when I'd brushed it over my face. I rehearsed the coming conversation. She'd say something like, What do you think I can help with, Mr. de Grail? Perhaps I would begin by reminding her that she'd advertised only one session would be necessary. It was no small feat clearing a time in my diary to come along and see her. She should know that. In fact, that was the problem. The speeding train of my life felt out of control. That was the phrase I'd been using lately. I feel like I'm on a speeding train and I want to get off. 
That was a good way to put it. I was sure she'd understand and perhaps not press me for too many details. Well, I believe I've tried all sorts of things and read all the books going, but I just feel like my life is a speeding train. I don't know where the brakes are. I want to get off. I'm not enjoying the scenery anymore. I feel like I'm just watching myself go through the motions. That was another good thing to say. Going through the motions. I pictured myself grabbing in futility at the broken emergency stop on my wayward locomotive. I saw you advertise a solution in just one session. It seemed worth clearing my schedule to see you. The last bit rang suddenly hollow. It was a lie. As soon as I'd determined to come, there'd seemed to be an opportunity, like a break in the clouds, a sort of day-long hiatus between deadlines. Perhaps she'd spot the lie about clearing my diary. Droplets of water began falling off the eaves, finding the path of least resistance and gathering until they could resist gravity no longer. They overlaid the fizzing of the misty rain with a crackle as they fell. I put my hand out through the doorway and let a few droplets sacrifice themselves on my open palm. I should not lie. I went back to my script. If she was going to come out with any of the nonsense I'd already picked up from the self-help shelves in the bookstore, I'd have to speak up. She needed to know I was an expert patient. Maybe that was the problem too. My mind embellished the theme. Every pocket of leisure time I'd found in the last few months I'd been looking for answers. Was life really so relentless for everyone? Surely those brightly complexioned experts had some formula. They claimed to. It was meditation, it was juicing, it was sprouting, running, decluttering, a ten-point plan or a three-point presentation. Relentless suggestions for improvement. Just so many stations I sped through on the way. God knows where. A tiny pool of water had gathered in my palm. I wondered how it would taste. My brother and I used to stand in the rain with our mouths open to the sky, catching it, letting it run down our chins and tickle our eyelids. Without really thinking, I slapped the cup of my wet palm on my cheek, splashing the water like aftershave. I expected a cooling effect, but it was no more than lukewarm precipitation breaking on baked granite. I looked at my watch. Twenty minutes had passed. Surely not. This is a waste of time felt sorry for myself. Maybe I should just go back to it all. This garden was lovely. Maybe I'd have one of my own like it some day, and if I'd unlocked the pleasures of life again, I'd be able to enjoy it another time. I stepped back from the doorway into the gloom of the summer house. The fragrance of the wet earth seemed to swirl into the room and drew to itself the scent of timber, leather and sun-bleached fabric. It came to me with a fresh force and an intense sense of place. I filled my lungs with it as if burying my face in a bouquet, because there was something there, something playing the subtle note of a hidden memory. I couldn't place it. I breathed again, trying to sift out the smells. And again. The more I sought it, the more it hid from me, so I let it go. And there it came again, much stronger. Perhaps outside. I walked out into the falling water, felt my hair go heavy with it until it crept down my neck and cheeks and beaded on my lips. Breathing. It was close. The scent I pursued was close. The water ran into the sides of my mouth, salty with the salt of my skin, 
I tasted it. The taste of the smell. It was me. It was me. My own smell. The taste of the scent of me. It's me! I shouted. And I threw my arms out. I can taste myself. Thank you. This I only saw in my mind's eye at that moment, but I'm sure it happened. A shadow behind one of the windows of the house, moving away, saying to nobody in particular, Excellent. Another satisfied customer. He has what he needs now. He'll not be back.